Hi, everyone. This is Jenny Graham from the Tulsa World Opinion Section. I'm the editorial's editor. I'm Bob Set, editorial writer and columnist. And this is our weekly podcast and video. So if you want to, with this video, if you want to hear it instead of watch it, you can go to Apple, Google, Spotify, and uh, download it. So this is an interesting week. The yeah. legislature, which is the dominant news of the day, because they're doing something every day. I, mean, I think Bob and I, we were talking earlier, we, we sort of thought that the culture war uh, era phase of the legislature was over. I mean, the, yeah. the abortion ban bill last week made national attention. Um, people who, are, who have fought for abortion for a long time are very happy, but we thought that was sort of the end of that. But then the state powers committee, which I wasn't that familiar with, they pushed through Senate Bill 0615, keeping that alive. And what that does, they there was an amendment added by Danny Williams of Seminole that has school counselors concerned. And what it does is it would require, if passed, for kids that meet with their counselors in school on anything related to sex, uh, sexual identity, they're having sex, their attitudes about sex, anything with the word sex in it, before a counselor could provide counsel, provide materials, provide anything, the counselor would have to go to the kid's parents to get permission and have them review any resources. Mm -hmm. So that's a bad idea because <laughs> it stifles an, a person a kid might need as a resource that... You know, first of all, you have counselors that are then in situations where they're outing their kids to their parents, and the parent might be part of the problem. Um, I, I just, what do you think, Bob? I mean, I can, you've heard me on these rants, but I just, what is it about Oklahoma lawmakers not feeling weird about sex? Well, if it was only confined to the state of Oklahoma. That's true. Um, this is a trend and it's a it's a, a wide trend it's going through many states uh, many red states <clears throat> um we talked about this a little bit uh probably about a month or so ago and i'll just repeat something i said back then that um it sounds kind of harsh but i think that's what it is is i we're seeing an effort between the the don't say gay laws that are being uh that are that are now on the books in florida and the stuff that we're doing here and some other states that it kind of looks like you're seeing a push to uh shove all of the lgbtq plus folks right back in the closet it's nice. like all right gay marriage happened and eight years of that now we're just going to pretend all of it didn't happen and whisk you all away in places that we will you will not be seen so uh, I don't know how that actually works because I mean, you know, once the, you know, the genie's a little bit out of the bottle now, so it's kind of late to do that kind of stuff in, a, in the climate of the country the way it is. Well, they're certainly uh, there's, not reading the tea leaves among the youth because the no, youth that I'm no. around, I have two teenagers, it is just <clears throat> not the issue that some of these lawmakers are making it to be. They just view it differently. And yeah. 
and to me, the whole goal when you're, when you have kids, yes, you want your kids to come to you if they're having sex, but even in the most loving homes with understanding parents, teenagers often do not tell their parents when they're having sex. Yeah. So that conversation has to start well before then. So when the kids are making that decision, they know your values. They know where to get resources. They know all that. And then the other issue is the LGBTQ issue that, you know, may, I mean, like I say, I, I know kids that came from great parents and loving families, but they were so scared to talk to their parents about it that sometimes the parents were the last to know. And in those situations I'm thinking of, it worked out fine. Their parents were accepting and loving and advocates, but that's not the case in all, all situations. So, yeah. you know, ideally, yes, you want <clears throat> parents to have these conversations with their kids, but sometimes they won't. So why cut off legally a way for them to get help in mental health? I mean, we have a youth suicide crisis and epidemic yes. in Oklahoma right now. Why would we hamstring school counselors in any way? Especially with that demographic, mm -hmm. because that's where it hits the hardest. And <clears throat> look, just talking uh, as base level and real as we can about this from a cultural standpoint, I understand that some parents uh, are not going to be happy if they find out their, their child is gay. Um there's going to be pressure put to bear by peers and things like that. If folks think that this is what we do now, it's going to make us harder on a, a smaller group of people, a more vulnerable group of people. Uh, I don't really see a good outcome out of that because, you know, you can, you can preach and teach all you want to, but I mean, just the way it is, some people are, are going to be the way they are. And to deny that, um, at the very least, just sp strictly speaking from a just getting to know your neighbor standpoint, <clears throat> at the very least, you're denying people a little bit of their dignity. And at the worst, you could be encouraging and turbocharging self-destructive behavior if folks don't think uh, they'll ever be accepted or loved or wanted by the people they're surrounded by. Right. So on the issue of sex, again, what is the most likely outcome? The ever optimistic people will say, well, we'll just teach our children to save themselves for marriage and to value sex as something just for that institution. And it'll be just like what you say. Sure, there will be some youth who adhere to that. There'll be other youth who are going to be sneaking around doing whatever it is folks do without maybe the knowledge that they have, that they need to, to be safe, to be healthy, to not get people pregnant, to not get pregnant. Um, you know, ignorance is not bliss in that kind of a situation. It can cause a lot of trouble. There are not a lot of 14, 15, 16 year old kids who are ready to be parents. I would no. say that number is probably in the low single digits. Yeah. And, you so. know, just for me, when I see these kind of things, I always sort of wondered and worried after abortion, now that abortion is banned in Oklahoma and that, you know, there's that victory there for, for the folks who, who wanted that. 
but what's Social next? conservatives. Yeah. I have I have really worried about what's the next target because I fear it's going to be contraception. I fear mm-hmm. it's going to be sex. You know, it access contraception and access and information, um, sex education. And Danny Williams on the floor debating this said <laughs> if it was up to him, he would eliminate all sex ed from schools, all of it. So that's backwards. And so that's what I'm a little on guard about that. So we'll, uh, you know, keep, yeah. keep going. It'll come it, back it won't help. It won't help. Yeah. Sure. So, so the other thing that happened was uh, there's filings going on. Uh, started yesterday, continues through Friday. A lot of, you know, big midterm elections. I didn't see any uh, surprises yet. I did see some crowded races. The, the, the congressional race uh, for Mark Wayne Mullen's old seat. I mean, I don't know, there's like eight Republicans running or something and like mm-hmm. no Democrats yet. So that's going to be crowded. Anything, step? any thoughts from you yet on this? I mean, I'm kind of waiting to see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, I think tomorrow will be a, the last big rush of people to sign up and things. You wonder if there's going to be like a teacher's caucus part two or something like that. Yeah, um, I, we'll, we'll just kind of see, but it's going to be, uh, yeah, there are going to be some races out there. So What I'm looking forward to, uh, just from a spectator standpoint, is the gubernatorial race. <clears throat> so we everyone kind of had this thing that, you know, Governor Stitt, he'll have a lot of conservative backing, walk in the park. Uh, Joy Hoffmeister threw a little bit of a monkey wrench into the works. I'm you know, still thinking that Stitt's still the favorite, but at least you got someone with a statewide name recognition that can mm-hmm. possibly uh, give him a run. And then Joel Kent still shows up. He was interesting. That's going to be an interesting. Um, yep. That would uh, be interesting. It's... Shows up as a Republican. He's director of the State Department of Veteran Affairs. Um, he's not really a rhino type. Uh-uh. And boy, he has he had some words. Yeah, it's gonna. He's, he has some words. They the Republican primary got got interesting this yes, past week. Yes, it did. So I, it's going to get spicy. And you know, obviously, I think Stitt's going to come out of that. He's going to win, but he's going to take a few bruises and stuff like that. And that sets up, you know, whoever wins the Democratic nomination. I think we're all thinking Hoffmeister will probably pull that off. Nicole <clears throat> yeah. Johnson has her her followers. Oh, she does. She does. I agree. Um, I'm just kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit. But yeah, right. this could, you know, with the last gubernatorial race between uh, Edmondson and Stitt, it was kind of low-key. It didn't really seem like there was a lot of heat in that one. I think there was more heat in the primary than it was in the general. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say the primary was that hot. Mm-hmm. I wonder about it this time. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be yeah. an interesting way it plays out. Well, some of our editorials this past week um, just hit some of the highlights. One of the ones was uh, <clears throat> this bill that would allow, and I thought, and it, it, we're actually publishing it on Monday, but it's a bill that <clears throat> House Bill 3351, I believe. I thought it would be dead by now, but it's still alive and it's concerning. It and is. it would give parents a, for parents who give a donation directly to a teacher, they get a, of up to $1,000, they get a tax credit for up to $1,000, which is so rife with problems. I don't even know where to begin. I thought it would be dead by now. So the fact that it's still alive and got, got passed out of a committee, it passed the house 
got to the Senate, yeah. that sort of committee. And the, the, the problems are, first of all, that's no way to fund teacher pay because that's what this is about. It's, it's an attempt to think outside the box on how we can get more pay to teachers. The reality is this creates a huge divide between the have and have nots. Because if you go into a wealthy area, let's just say Bixby, where they have a, you know, the yep. per capita income is so much wider than say um, an East Tulsa school where maybe everyone is on free and reduced lunch. So a teacher is thinking, well, if I went to Bixby, the likelihood is, and I have a class of 25 kids, all those parents might be inclined to donate to me. No one's going to want to teach in the East Tulsa where you can't even get resources, much less direct donations. So that may not be, a, I mean, that's going to be in the back of a teacher's mind. That Smoke and mirrors policy too. I mean, it's I mean, just the, the, the divide between the have and have nots on equity is just, it would be astounding. The other issue is that it just compromises teachers that yeah. talk to any football coach about dealing with overzealous parents who want their kid to have more playing time. Yeah. Now imagine throwing money and donations <clears throat> into that mix. That you better get an A. Yeah. If a teacher needs to discipline a student, but, oh, those parents have given money. I mean, yeah. it, it just, you don't, the, the power imbalance begins with that money. So bad bill. Don't, you know, let's get legislators to stop it. One of those deals, again, where it's like, you see a problem, you know the solution, but we're doing everything to go around having to actually take care of the problem yep. by creating yeah. these crazy little workarounds that one don't work and two are just bad policy. I mean, here we go. Yeah. If you want teachers to have more money, put more money in the back. Or if you want class sizes to get smaller, which is really the issue that the biggest issue now are the, 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 the resources and getting uh, the class sizes down that's per people expenditure and we're 46th or 47th in the nation. So yeah. that the only way to fix that is put more money into the budget. And we have a budget surplus. At yes, we this, do. Or, I don't know if it's a surplus, but we have what? 1.1 billion more than last year. 20, oh yeah. And our revenues are, more. yeah. And our yeah. state revenues are still uh, significantly over where they were a year ago. So yeah, yeah. We, we got some money. So you dug into the, another editorial that the board <clears throat> wanted to talk on was the, the gas prices, which we never really dealt with before, but our, uh, Senator Langford, uh, Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen are have come out blaming the Biden administration oh, yeah. for the high gas prices. So we felt like it was we needed to address it. And you did the digging <coughs> on that. Was there yes. what are sort of like the basically the president doesn't control gas prices? So explain no. to the people what does. So not quite somewhere between fifty five and sixty percent of what affects gas prices is the price of oil, and the other things that affect it is the taxes that you have to pay on like highway taxes, transportation taxes that go on, on every gallon of gas you buy, the cost of distribution, the cost of refining and all that kind of stuff. There is very little any president has been able to do to affect gas prices. And as you can see, even with the amount of oil that we're releasing out of the strategic reserve, Mostly oil has stayed up. It's gone away from the peak that we saw after uh, the embargo of Russian oil that we had and a lot of other countries had. But oil is a global phenomenon. It's not a domestic thing. The prices are set according to a global market. So if there is a hurricane that strikes 
in the Gulf, you know, the Gulf of Mexico and starts shutting down rigs around Houston and, and Southern Louisiana coast, that's going to affect the price of oil. If there's an oil producer that is in, admired and it's mired in warfare, that's going to affect their ability to produce strangles output. Maybe there are some people in OPEC that are going to choke back oil production just so they can have some higher prices. All of these things are in the mix, and none of those things have anything to do with a single stroke of the pen that happens in the White House. Mm. So now Joe Biden is not new to taking criticism for this. I mean, same things were levied at Barack Obama. Same things were levied at George W. Bush at different times when gas prices spiked because of things that were kind of beyond their control. But that's the parlor game that we play, uh, especially as an election rolls around even if it's just a midterm someone wants to take the blame we see the i did this stickers on uh, gas pumps but the reality that we have right now is the pandemic shut a lot of refining down uh when demand went back up refining could not keep pace um supply chain issues are creating problems in terms of oil rigs trucks drivers workers in the fields who can work at these places so that slows things down and keeps prices high the demand continues to rise as economies start coming back and oh we've got a war that's affecting a place that uh, controls 10 percent of the world's oil supply so i mean i guess you can blame whoever but we've got very few levers that the federal government can pull to get these things under control out of the side of that strategic reserve. Uh -huh. You know, we could ramp up production, but the, you know, the government doesn't control Exxon or Chevron or anything like that. They do. Uh, they might say, well, you could be better toward, towards us on regulations or leases or something like that. 9,000 federal public lands leases that are waiting to be explored that are not, you know, none of those may pan out, but on the other hand, you'll never know until you drill. Uh -huh. If you leave them undrilled, what is their production? Zero barrels of oil a day. So, and just beside the fact that most of the oil that is produced uh, in the United States is uh, actually extracted from private land. So, you know, whatever. Well, and then the other thing <laughs> we, we, uh, we addressed an issue that was closer to home. It was the Tulsa right now. How are, we're getting ready to implement uh, cameras in public spaces and mm -hmm. The board's all for that because, you know, you, you go into a middle income, wealthier income neighborhood, everyone has a camera, a ring. So if you're, a, if you're stealing something off a, off a porch or you're, you know, vandalizing something, I mean, those neighborhoods light up with all the videos. So yes, lower is. income, yeah, but lower income neighborhoods don't have that. And so the crime that's committed in lower income areas, <coughs> you know, the idea of leveling the playing field by using strategically placed cameras in public places is, is something the board is on board with because you can you can shoot photos in public. Uh, the only thing that we have concerns with is that the sheriff's department's developing its own program, the police department's developing its own program, and it just we've seen how these systems, whether it's nine one one or other types of things, that when all these different jurisdictions come up with their own thing, it ends up in the long run causing a disjointed, confusing, bureaucratic, mm. you know, kind of nightmare for citizens because they don't know who's 
who's doing what. So we're just really want to encourage, this is the time now for all these, uh, you know, law enforcement agencies to get together and come up with like a cohesive vision, a cohesive policies that are the same. And just so the public can understand what is, what is, what is this going to be used for? And that's where the cameras are located, which the mayor and the police chief Wendell said that they're, the locations of the cameras will be known, that they will be marked, and that the images will not be used for things like tracking speeds or repossessions. So, um, which are, and th that they will adhere to the open records laws. Because whenever we talk about images, transparency is part of that. So we, we yeah. will expect, and I think the board was pretty, <clears throat> pretty adamant about that. But but that was the other editorial that we, you know, we kind of tackled this week um, on that. So the um, the other thing coming up is you you have an interesting column, and mm -hmm. it deals with this budget that we have. That we have Oklahoma's in a great position. So what's the what's the nut graph? What's the headline on your column this weekend? We've got two paths we can take that will take us toward being top 10 or at least moving out in direction. One of them is tax cuts. The other one is betting on ourselves and with all these uh, new revenues that we got coming in. So you're going to have to read to find out uh, which one of those is. Hey, I love a low tax bill myself. But uh, yeah, we take a little bit of a dive into that. But, to see what's but is that. it worth it? Is we it have a couple it? of really interesting columns this weekend. One is by... Uh, it's also a business consultant, Shelly Academy. She was featured on a panel discussion that I found interesting. The Oklahoma Policy Institute did a research project a while back on the juvenile courts uh, fees and fines and its effect on families and how basically it saddles debt on these kids needing a second chance and the families that are struggling. And she lived that experience. And she gave us, she gives a very interesting first person narrative about how broken that system is and she experienced it in all, all sorts of ways and so I would recommend if you want to know more about what it's like yeah. to go through that um, with a kid read that and yeah so it was fascinating uh, and the the recommendations coming out of that report is that they just need to eliminate these fees and fines and there are other better ways to to approach this and it should be more of a a rehabilitative system, but it's not, it's being very punitive on families in particular. So yeah. Uh, yeah. And the community advisory board column this weekend is by Dr. Jabron Pasha, who's a fabulous writer, but he's sort of, um, you can tell he's bothered by some of the legislation coming out that will harm children. And he mm -hmm. writes a little bit about uh, equity and how uh, seeing some of the, particularly for LGBTQ kids, that you know, the he thinks some of this pushback is like we were talking earlier is a fear of of losing power, a fear of is equ equity. His argument is basically, you know, equity does not mean you're giving up power. It it's it it bolsters everybody. So he he writes a very compelling column. And then mine is uh, it gets a little you. I think you read it. It's I talk mm -hmm. a little bit about my my kids and faith. And uh, I've got two teenagers that are, you know, we grew up, I took them to church. I, we experienced, I am a person of faith, but you know, kids look at things differently. And there are all these 
kind of research out about youth and kids. And I've seen that in my own, it, it's interesting. There was a really good uh, project at Springtide and they have some new research on how religious kids are, how that, how that plays out and how it intersects with their lives. And it's fascinating. Most kids view themselves as religious, but they don't turn to their religion in times of need. And, yeah, and I found that compelling. Just, you know, that yeah. they're, and it's, they don't believe in the institutions that are offering, they're not offering what they need. And so I see my own kids sort of struggling with that. One questioning the whole faith. Another is she's so, you know, my, my daughter, she's very devout. She's full of spirituality, but she hasn't quite found a home yet. And I thought it would bother me, but it, I just look at it. I just sat down and really thought about it. And that's the Easter Sunday uh, effect, I think on us. And it, it is yeah. Easter Sunday this weekend. So, um, so happy Easter. Happy Easter. Yeah. And you know, it's uh, what's interesting about that is what your kids are doing right now is actually something of a, uh, has its basis in scriptures a little bit. Talking I mean, about it, working out your faith. Well, yeah, that's and what you they're know, doing. I, a lot, and I've, I've, like I say, I've, I, <laughs> parents. I think parents always want their kids to follow what they did, and my right. kids are on a different path. And I kind of got to a point where um, you can't force religion on someone. Mm -hmm. And my kids are old enough to understand their beliefs, and I'm here to guide them. I'm here to support them. And I kind of go back to my dad had told me years ago. He was a Baptist. My mom's Catholic. He just said, I don't care what faith you are, what religion you are, just believe in something bigger in yourself. And what the studies are showing are a lot of kids are um, uh, believing in that. So, uh, so it's a good sign. You know, kids, yeah. kids are seeking, they're asking questions, they're just looking for something. But, mm -hmm. uh, but also Passover is going on and mm -hmm. Ramadan. So mm -hmm. everyone enjoy whatever holiday you want or non-holiday, no judgment, you know. So anyway, any last words, Bob? Well, if nothing else, see your folks, say hey over Sunday, um, have yourself a, a wonderful Sunday meal, if it's, if it's Easter or some other kind of deal. Um, great weekend to get outside before any kind of weather moves in. I, I think I always say that. Great day, great time to get outside. You're going to make Tulsa healthy. That's your goal. Get us outside, man. Some good stuff. <laughs> good stuff out there. Well, until next week, see you later, everybody. See ya.